Thank you. You may be seated. How many of you uh, know how many people, how many humans have walked on the moon? Six? Twenty-two? Twelve. I didn't know that. I read it, okay? And I'm not one of them, okay? Twelve people. Who was the youngest person that ever walked on the moon? The youngest man ever walked on the moon? Pardon me? Nope. Charles Duke. Charles Duke was uh, one of the most talented of the astronauts, one of the most brilliant. He was uh, chosen to pilot the lunar module, you know, that, that, that goes from the spacecraft down to the moon. They had landed on April 16, 1972. After Charles Duke retired as an astronaut, he went on to be a successful businessman. After that, he wrote a book, Moonwalker, the true story of an astronaut who found that the moon wasn't high enough to satisfy his desire for success. How many of you have read that book? I got through the title and then I was uh, exhausted, okay? But it's a fascinating book, and Charles Duke wrote this. After walking on the moon, I was bored. Fame, fortune, a spot in the history books, I had it all. But if you'd been a fly in the, on the wall in my home, you would have seen that I wasn't so hot. I was failing miserably as a husband and father, my business succeeded. The money rolled in, but I was bored. Now, this is a man who left his footprints on the moon. And anybody who looked at him would say he seemed to have it all as a uh, very uh, exceptional uh, student, an elite astronaut, then became a very successful, wealthy businessman. But Charles Duke was totally dissatisfied. On the outside, he had it all, but inside his life was empty. And you and I know that Charles Duke be just, uh, is just one of those who seem to have it all, who end up asking, is this all there is? Success, fame, wealth, pleasure, other people, they can't really satisfy our human spirit. All the things that uh, we humans seem to crave, if we get them all, it leaves us asking, is this all there is? If you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. Because see, Luke 5, it's an amazing story. It tells us about four men who found that all that is missing in so many humans. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, 
great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Jesus noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat, and he taught the crowds from there. Uh, Peter had to be extremely honored that Jesus, this young rabbi who was attracting multitudes, that Jesus selected whose boat? His. And so, you know, Jesus in the boat, and he's rowing out. You know, he probably felt like he was the, you know, the limo driver for the Pope Mobile or something. I bet he was waving to the crowd and everything. But then he was not too happy about what Jesus asked him to do next. Verse 4. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, go out deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Uh, Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night. We did not catch one single crummy fish in this lake. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down so everybody will see that you don't know what you're talking about. You see, Peter's thinking, Jesus, you know, that's not going to work. You know, Jesus, you're a carpenter. You know the carpenter shop. I'm a fisherman. I know this lake. Have you ever tried to tell a fisherman, give him a few hints about how to do it better? You see, it's Sea of Galilee, a big, large, very large lake. It's deep. Well, at night, the fish would come up to the surface where it was warmer, and there they could be netted. Well, in the middle of the day, with the sun beating down, the fish went down deep, and you couldn't catch fish in the middle of the day. And Peter had been fishing all night, and he was exhausted. And then after that, he's four or five hours cleaning his nets, mending those nets, and going out again into the deep water and throwing out his nets again was the last thing he wanted to do. do. And friend, there's a good point there. Jesus asks us to do things we don't want to do. And Jesus asks us to do things we don't understand. And you see, you had parents and you had teachers and you had those who cared about you who did that very same thing. They asked you to do things you didn't want to do and things you didn't understand but they had a better purpose for you. And friend, the Son of God really, when he tells us to do something, he really doesn't owe us an explanation for everything he asks us to do. We wouldn't understand a lot of it anyway. And see, understanding can wait, but obedience should not. Instant obedience of Jesus will teach you more about God than a lifetime of sermons or Bible discussions or or whatever. In fact, you'll never understand some of God's commands until you obey them first. And then you'll see why God asks you to do it. Obedience unlocks our understanding. It's just human nature 
for us, for me, for you, for all of us to offer to God some partial obedience. We, we like to choose the commands that we like and obey those while ignoring the things we think that are unreasonable or difficult or expensive or unpopular. I'll read my Bible every day, every night. I'll read my Bible, but I'm not going to forgive that person. But forgiving is a command. I'll I'll sit in church on Sunday, but I'm not going to serve. But Jesus asks us to serve. I'll go to church, but I won't give. See, partial obedience is really disobedience. And what happened? What happened when Peter obeyed what he didn't want to do and what he didn't understand? Verse 6, at this time, when he let down those nets, the nets became so full of fish that they began to tear. And so he shouted, he gave a shout for help to his partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and they were on the verge of sinking. Obeying Jesus is the, is the best thing we can do. It's the most awesome thing we can do, especially when we don't want to or don't understand it. Verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, fell down to his knees before Jesus. Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. God, Jesus, I don't want, I don't, I think I'm smarter than you are. I think my way's better. I don't want to do everything you want me to do. But you're the Son of God. For he was awestruck. By the number of fish they caught, as were the others, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they were all amazed. And Jesus said to Simon, Simon, don't be afraid to obey. From now on, you know what, Simon? You're going to be fishing for people. This morning, we want to talk about Jesus' call to all. What did Jesus say when he approached someone? He said, come, follow me. Just three words. Come, follow me. Not that first word, come. You see, that's very important. He didn't say stay. Stay where you are. You're doing good. He said, come. Why? Because Jesus is always moving forward carrying out God's plan. He's he's always taken the next step to accomplish God's perfect plan. And and friend, that's what he asks us to do, to follow him, to take those next steps. Because see, friend, if we're not walking forward with Jesus, we're just getting further and further behind and away from him. Come, follow me. And that's what Peter and Andrew and James and John did. Verse 11, as soon as they landed, they knew they had to obey. As soon as they landed, they did what? They left everything and followed Jesus. Peter, Andrew, James, and John gave their all to Jesus. Why? Well, I think a couple big reasons. (laughs) This guy can obviously do miracles. 
And second, we heard John the Baptist say, follow him. And they knew that he might be the Messiah that, they, that the Jewish people were looking for. They knew those two things. Jesus could do miracles, and Jesus might be the Messiah. Have you ever thought about the fact that you and I know far more about Jesus than Peter and Andrew and James and John did? We know he is the Son of God. We know he did thousands of miracles. We know he died for our sins. We know he rose from the dead. We know that he's coming back for his followers. We know that Jesus is the king of kings who gives us this awesome call to follow him. We know. We know more than they. What an honor to be asked by the Son of God to be His follower. <laughs> Next week's Super Bowl Sunday. What if this afternoon you get a phone call, you answer it. It's Roger Goodell, commissioner of the NFL. He said, you know, Next week, we want to honor a great American citizen. And we've heard it's you. Would you come and let us honor you at the Super Bowl? Now, would you think that was an honor to get a call like that? Well, yeah, and it's not going to happen, okay? <laughs> but what about a call from the Son of God? King of kings, come, follow me. Follow me today, follow me every day, follow me all the way to heaven. Follow me through the gates of heaven and be with me forever. Friend, that's the greatest call. And friend, it's a call to all. A call to all. Jesus called the rich and famous. He called the poor and he called the down and out. He called the young, he called the old. Jesus calls all of us to give him all of us. And see, the problem is it's just human nature to not do all that Jesus calls us to do, to withhold some things. And we're going to look at this story, we're going to look at four statements, four, you know, brief uh, statements, words, phrases. But they tell us what a true Christ follower does. Jesus calls all to do four things, all right? Now, the Christian li life is not like, you know, Panera, pick two. It's not like McDonald's, okay? Let's see, there's the dollar menu, I'll pick two, okay? No. The Christian life is following Jesus. And he calls us to do four things. Let's look at those four phrases. First one's in verse 9. When Jesus produced that miracle, a multitude of fish, verse 9 says, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they were what? They were awestruck. They were amazed. Friend, Jesus calls all of us to worship. To, to be in awe of God, to think about him, 
to thank him for what he has done in creating us and then sending his own son to die. It's worship. What's the first commandment? There's a hint up there. In case you don't know. Okay. All right. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Friend, that's worship. And again, you know, we're just prone to worship the things we can see and touch and feel. You know, we're prone to worship, you know, put first in our life. Our job or our possessions or our hobby or or even our family. Okay? What's worship? It's to be excited. It's to be passionate. It's to be in awe. It's to be committed to God more than anything or anyone else. That's worship. If you had a close friend who was asked by someone who didn't know you, uh, and they said, well, what's, what's he, she uh, like? What, what, what are they passionate about? Would your friend say Jesus? Or would they say, well, I think it's their job or their hobby or their favorite team or whatever. Passionate. And, and that, friend, let's be honest. I'll be honest. We are, I'm tempted every day to be more excited, passionate, committed to something else other than my God. My job or my hobby, my things, my electronic devices, you know. We just have so many things that we get excited about and, and give our time to. It should be God. Christ follows worship. They want to be in awe of God because he's awesome. Second phrase I call your attention to is verse 11. They follow Jesus, all right? And I want you to notice the first word, they. Not he. They. Jesus calls all of us. Jesus didn't call just Peter. He, just Simon. He called... Peter's brother, Andrew, he called his partners, James and John. He called the 12. He called the 120. He called the 5,000. You see, Jesus calls all, and he calls us to what? To fellowship. Now, when we say fellowship, we're talking about coffee and cookies. You know, we're talking about eating. If a church has a fellowship hall, what do you do there? You eat there, okay? Now, I am a... Eating is one of my favorite things, as you can tell, all right? But that's not what fellowship is. The word is actually an old English word. It was for workers on a ship, fellow sailors. When sailing was very perilous across an ocean, you know, with just sails and a small boat, And you know what? Their lives depended on each of them doing their job because if one of them didn't, they died. Fellowship is serving together. It's it's growing together in our Christian walk. It's serving Jesus Christ together. What did Jesus ask his first 12 followers to do? Walk with me. Live with me. You follow me. Don't, don't go home and live there anymore. For the, for the next few couple of years, follow me. Be my disciple. 
And see, that's what we're to do. We're to walk with the Lord Jesus every day. Now, we won't leave our home. We won't leave our family, okay? But we walk with Jesus and his Holy Spirit in our life. Or if we walk with him. And one of our core values here is based on this, that we're better together. Jesus Christ did not call us to be Lone Ranger Christians. We've got to do it together. The mission he gave to us is too big for us to do alone. We can't do it alone. We don't have all the spiritual gifts ourselves. We need others. That's fellowship. We need to be with Jesus and other Christian followers, other Christ followers, so we get the job done. Because we're not going to get it done by ourselves. We need to do it so we'll grow. Because we need the impact and the accountability of others in our life to help them and for them to help us. That's why small groups are so important. You know, not just coming in the large group here, but being in a small group, a study group, a ministry team, something. You won't really grow very much without. We need each other. And friend, as a church... Is, is a church that God put together to, co- to accomplish a mission here in this community, we need all of you. If we're going to be all God wants us to be as a church, we need you. And friend, the, our, us pastors, we three pastors, the elders, our elders, our governing board, we're going to ask every one of you here today to do something. Everyone who considers Alliance at your home, we want you, please, to be in an all group for five weeks. They're going to start two weeks from today. We want you to be in an all group. They're going to meet after, they're going to meet the second hour. It's not another trip, it's not a night that just, there's a conflict. Our goal is to get 100% participation. All of you. Because we need you. And you need others. You need the body of Christ. Now, after next week's service, someone you know is going to call you. They're going to invite you to be in the, at their all group. Please say yes. Please say yes. Be a Christ follower who's, who is all in, who meets with fellow Christ followers so that you grow, so that we grow, so we can carry out our mission, because we can't. We want to do that as a church. Christ followers, fellowship, that means growing together and serving together. Third phrase. It's actually the same phrase, but I want to call your attention to the next to it. They followed Jesus. Jesus calls all of us to discipleship. Now, people in this day, in Jesus' time, they knew what a disciple was. All right. It was some of the, there were rabbis, and they would have their disciples. Their disciples followed them everywhere, just like Jesus' disciples followed him. They actually wore the same kind of hat. They actually wore, had the same kind of beard and the same kind of curls, you know, right here for their sideburns. They just copied them in every way. They learned from them. Now, we know that. Now, we don't use that word disciple very much here. Today, we talk about being a Christian. 
I like the term being a Christ follower because Christians just come to mean all kinds of crazy stuff. We're Christ followers. Now, the biblical word disciple means a follower. It means a learner. We're learning from someone. We need to be learning from Jesus. It means to be an imitator. We are to be conformed to the image of Christ. It means to be an apprentice. Jesus is training us and teaching us how to do the Christian life. It means to be a watcher who becomes a doer. We see what Jesus did. We learn from him. And then we ask God to enable us to do that also. The word disciple means a successor. When the rabbi passes on, someone succeeds him. When Jesus left this earth, he said, Listen, I'm leaving you the mission, and you can do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. You carry on what I began. And that's what our all initiative is going to be about. Us growing, us serving Jesus. And friend, again, I'm at, our goal is 100% participation, every one of us, all of us, taking the next steps of following Jesus in our Christian life. Because God has next steps for every one of us. Following him. Not, not just in name. I'm a Christian. No, indeed, and in our lifestyle. Fourth phrase, verse 11. They left everything. We call that stewardship. And again, uh, the word steward actually has taken on new meaning once uh, airlines, you know, once people started flying. And suddenly steward meant someone who pushed a cart up and down an aisle and served coffee. But the word steward means to manage someone else's wealth or property or, or business affairs. It's one who manages and friend, that's what we as Christ followers are. We're managing the resources God gives to us, the three of the three big ones, our time, our talents, and our treasures. And Jesus calls all to be faithful managers, first of our time, our time in worship. I started telling you about Charles Duke. I'm going to mention a few more things about him, that astronaut. He, this, this is another thing he wrote in his book. He wrote, I'd gone to church all my life. I had all of God I needed in that one hour every Sunday. He thought he had all of, of God that he needed in one hour of 168 in his week. Do we really think God is that small? That we can squeeze him into one hour? One, one, sixty, 168th of our life? What's the great commandment? Somebody asked that Jesus one day. Jesus, I want to make sure I get to heaven. So what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all. Love the Lord your God with all, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, with your all. 
How do you spell love? T-I-M-E. If you love someone, you want to give them time. You want to be with them. Give them time. We, we give time to the things that we love, don't we? You know, again, whether it's our job, I mean, we obviously have to give some time to that, but we, our job, our family, maybe it's our hobby. I mean, you can just kind of look at your calendar, your schedule, and figure out what you really love. You know, if I only spent one hour a week with Donna, do you think she would really think that I am really loving her? If we only spend one hour a week with God, we really loving him with our all. See, God gives us our time. We need to manage it. It's, it's our greatest resource. I, my first boss said, hey, money is not our greatest resource. Time is. Because if we're going to carry out, if we're going to accomplish what our job is, what our mission is, we need to use our time wisely. We need to give our time to the best things, not just the good things or the things we like. Managing our time. Jesus calls all of us to be faithful managers of our talents. Charles Duke wrote, My business succeeded. The money rolled in. Did that satisfy? I was bored. And the reason is that Charles Duke was using all his God-given talents on his job. Now, we have to have a job. But a job should not have us. Because it's a terrible slave master. A job is temporary. You might be a teacher or a technician. You might be a doctor or a ditch digger. Now. For a little while longer. But you're not going to be those things in eternity. You're going to be one who followed Christ or one who did not. And God gave us talents and skills to do things that have eternal value, things that really matter forever. Jesus called Peter, Andrew, James, and John to be fishers of men, to, to use the skills uh, that he gave them to help others come to know God and to follow Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And the reality is that most Christians say, well, I, I can't tell people about Jesus. Well, for many of you, you can't. You can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. But you can do it. You can do it in the body of Christ. You can do it on a ministry team. Like you heard about one today. Uncommon Kids at Lakeview, uh, that Saturday afternoon event. A uh, one-on-one -on -one mentoring, Kids Hope. You can do that. No, you're not going to go and preach at them. But God is going to use your life to show 
Jesus to others. You can do that in our Monday morning coffee ministry. You can do that in Ironman, the way they serve. See, there, we have, you can do that in Alliance Kids. You can do that in Alliance Youth. We have all these ministries. What, what are our ministries for? To keep us busy? No. To help others find Jesus. Because we're fishers of men. We've got good news. We've got to share it. We have a Savior. We've got to share him with others. Jesus calls us to be faithful stewards of the talents that he gives to us, the calling on our life. And third, Jesus calls all of us to be faithful stewards of our treasures, our God-given resources, our money. God gives us money. (laughs) Charles Duke said the money just rolled in, but it didn't satisfy It didn't mean anything. I was bored. Money can't satisfy the human spirit. It's going to leave us empty. It's going to leave us wanting more. Friends, we're rich. We're blessed. And the reason God blesses his children is so we'll bless others. We are blessed to bless others. And everything we have comes from God. And everything we have belongs to God. And one day everything goes back to God. And we want to be faithful managers of all those resources. Friend, Jesus calls all. And he calls all of us to give our all to him. Our worship. Our fellowship. As children of God is the body of Christ who have a mission. He calls us to discipleship, to be following Jesus every day of our life. And he calls us to stewardship, to manage those resources, those valuable resources that God has given to us. It's a call to all. Friend, this is not extra credit, you know, for Christians. You know, this is not just for the super spiritual or the missionaries or whatever. This is, for Christ, this is for Christ followers. To stay alive, a person has to breathe. They have to eat. They have to sleep. They have to work. What would, what would happen to a person if they decide, you know, I really don't have time to do all those things. I'm just going to breathe. They would die. What if a person said, you know, I really don't like those other things, but I love to eat, so I'm just going to eat. What would happen to them? They'd get fat and die. And for a Christ follower just to do worship once a week, but not discipleship, not fellowship, not stewardship, that's like a person who only breathes. Would just shrivel up and die spiritually. In Americans, see, we get most of what we want. And American Christians are prone to say, but I don't want to do all those things. But you know that a person who only does what they want is irresponsible, self-absorbed, and empty. Jesus Christ did not die for us 
so that we'd make him just a small part of our life. Jesus Christ is the most important part of your life. Jesus said, I am the life. I am life. What your life is all about here on earth and what your life is all about for eternity. And that's why Jesus gives a call to all, come, follow me. Charles Duke concludes this story this way. One night I attended a Bible study that focused on one penetrated question. Who is Jesus? He wrote, that night... I came face to face with the opportunity to follow Jesus Christ. And I made the decision, yes, Lord, you are my Lord of all. Someone has said, Jesus is Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all in our lives. Charles Duke said, it cost the government $400 million for me to walk three days on the moon. And then it was over. But to walk with Jesus is free, and it lasts forever. Duke was often heard to say, people all over the world want to meet someone who's walked on the moon. He, I'm always getting calls for interviews he said, walking on the moon was three days. Walking with Jesus is forever. And friend, the greatest thing you can do is not to walk on the moon, it's to walk with Jesus. The greatest thing you can do is not following after success or fame or wealth or things or cars or houses or 401ks. The greatest thing you can do with your life is following Jesus, the Son of God, here on earth and forever. It's answering Jesus' call to all to give Jesus your all, your worship, your fellowship with the body of Christ, your discipleship, your stewardship. Jesus is calling all of us, every one of us here Alliance, to be his disciple so we can carry out our mission to impact this community we live in, to bring more people to Jesus Christ. And friend, we need you. We need you to be all in. And, and you need Jesus and others to be all you should be and can be. So when someone calls you, says, will you be in our all group for five weeks? I hope you'll say, yes, I'm all in. Because I'm a Christ follower. I want to grow. I want to serve. I want my life to matter. I want to be what God wants me to be. Father, thank you for sending your son to this earth. He came to die on a cross so our sins could be forgiven. And God, we have just sinned so many times against you, there's no way we deserve forgiveness. We certainly don't deserve a, a perfect, sinless Son of God to die in our place. But God, because of your love, that's what you did. And Jesus offers us that gift of, of, of salvation, of eternal life, of a home in heaven forever and ever.
But dear Lord, it's not just a one-time prayer. It's a 24-7 walk with Jesus, following Jesus as our Savior and Lord God. Jesus said, come, follow me. Help us to do it. Help us to do it, dear Father. You will, and it will turn out to be the greatest adventure, the greatest life, the greatest thing we ever did. And it matters for all of eternity. And friend, while your head's bowed and your eyes closed, Jesus is calling you. He, he called Peter, but he didn't call Peter anymore, and he's calling you right now. Because he wants to forgive all your sins. He loves you. He wants you in his heaven forever. He wants you to experience what life is really about. He's calling you to walk with you. Christian, Jesus is calling us to come, to take the next steps. Because if we're not taking steps following Jesus, we're just getting further and further behind. But following Jesus, that's what life is. And Lord, our church, our elders, our governing board decided to do this all initiative. Because we want to be true disciples. We want to be a true church. Not just pampering ourselves, God, but impacting our community for Jesus. Oh God, help us to do it. We know you will, because it is your will. And we thank you for what you're going to do is we all give our all to you, the one who died for us, in Jesus' name. Amen.